0: And welcome to the inaugural episode of Culture Terror.
1: The author is dead, and we have killed Borzoi.
0: We haven't actually. That's <laughs> uh, that is a uh, philosophical reference, not a yeah. Um, so, as you will have noticed, um, uh, today we'll be discussing uh, our friend Borzoi's uh, new book that he just published, available on Antelope Hill and fine booksellers everywhere. And you should definitely pick up a copy if you haven't already um and we wanted to do it you know this is going to come as something of a surprise well i guess to everyone but especially to borzoi um himself uh we, we had very highfalutin philosophical reasons for for wanting to to do it this way which uh, i think louis you had some um some thoughts on
1: yeah like obviously borzoi could be on this show but it kind of cheapens if you're trying to do a kind of big brain analysis or any kind of commentary, if you can just ask the author what he actually meant, and also future, you know, future readers of the book in the will not have the access to Borzoi that we perhaps have, and so I think it's very important that we go full death of the author here and analyze it uh, as someone who doesn't. I mean, obviously we know we can't pretend we never read Borzois' work, but we have to analyze it as someone who just who just read the book doesn't and doesn't have you know can't just can't just you know DM Borzoi. You know, what did you mean by this? I think we take take a you know treat it as yeah, a very serious I mean, work because se- we're all serious guys. Yes, and, and, we're doing and a serious cultural thing.
0: <laughs> and there's definitely a benefit to um, you know I mean, this is a deeply personal work among among other. I mean, it's it's a lot of things, um, but but one of the things that it is is, is deeply personal. And of course, um, you know, it, in some ways, it would be you know nice to have like you could you could do a kind of thing where where um, we are you know interviewing the author about. The personal process uh, behind his, you know, more personal reflections and things like that, and there's definitely a, you know, room for that, and, and maybe we'll do that, or someone else will do that in at some at some later point. But um, kind of what we were getting at, I guess, with in with the, in terms of the death of the author specifically, is you know, as you as you said quite rightly, this is a serious work. We we are we are um, producing serious work. I, th- I think you know, as a side note to that, it, it's worth pointing out. Um, this is a more serious work, a more a better written work, a more um, meaty work and, and a work more worthy of of reading and, and taking seriously than, I mean, pretty much anything <laughs> in, the, in the mainstream press that's been produced within the past, 10 years at least um yeah
1: arguably we could do an episode on the whole feast of shame on the feasts of shame yeah definitely we could do a, like a two or three parter on that uh, i guess it's not entirely
0: f- i think i you know obviously antelope hill is doing quite great work and, and scott howard's um transgender industrial complex is is a, is a is a great work of nonfiction. but but that just goes to show you like again the kind of, one of the kind of broader points here which which Borzway himself um, you know, occasionally pops out sometimes more, more explicitly than others is, you know, the culture is, is dead or, or, and to the extent that there are still like, you know, occasional spasms of movement, the only things worth paying attention to, the only quality works are being produced by anonymous racists on the internet. Um,
1: yeah, which goes to show you in a, in a way that kind of invalidates a certain reactionary impulse of mine, but, if you're not being at least somewhat transgressive you're really just kind of spinning your wheels it's kind of the the big conceit of liberal art and liberalism's art and it's it is like it's it seems self-evidently true to us right now maybe you know when we have if we can maybe one day we'll create a grand academy of arts and sciences and you can do good formal beautiful works but right now uh we live in a liberal society where transgression is the only thing worth reading and I would put a wrong.
0: slightly different spin on this, though, because, like, you know, so, so he, he references, Borsoy references, you know, at a couple in terms in the Piss Earth essays, a famous piece he did for the American Sun. I think most of his, his pieces are pretty well read, but we'll go over them anyway. But yeah, he referenced, you know, Piss Earth is kind of a play on, on Serrano's um, uh, Piss Christ. And, you know, there's an argument to be made. You know, the, the, the reason why Piss Christ, which is, uh, you know, maybe you haven't heard or not familiar, is, is uh, what it, was, it, was it? Was it a crucifix or a photo? I think it was a photograph of of christ on the cross uh submerged in a jar of human urine and and this is to be taken as a you know some kind of culturally significant work of art and of course it had a predictable reaction of this was in the 90s of, of you know inflaming the the conservatives and yeah. you know haha on that but the thing is like that's not even in, i think in the, when, the, when he produced that that was already in the most important ways, not transgressive.
1: And it kind of notoriously, I think, and I don't think it was ever clearly stated by anyone at the time, but it really is kind of a, the work kind of immediately self-destructed as a thing with a point, because obviously the National Endowment for the Arts paid for it, so it was a government-sponsored, it was literally government-sponsored at like the highest level, uh, most formalized level, and then I believe right after it, like, we got actual terrorist attacks against transgressive, uh, cartoonists in Europe, and obviously, this guy was just still walking around doing his piss Christ bit, and not having his head <laughs> cut off. Right. So it 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 really it. It's kind of a perfect piece of modern art in that way. In that it. Yeah, it, and and, it's and then so just bellic- so, it's so so com- bankrupt, combine obviously.
0: that or sorry contrast that with with the reception and the um, in the in the historical. Process of of look at what happened to the buildings of of Albert Speer or or who was that um, uh the sculptor who had his sculptures or Otto, Otto Breker, thank you yes Otto Breker, like that like Breker's work and Speer's work that is beautiful that is classical and it is precisely for that reason is designated transgressive like, it, I mean we're in we're now full in full on demon world you know a uh, uh, hell realm like uh, I by one of my I wouldn't even call it a critique so much as like you know. Um, when Boisley talks about piss earth it's it's in distinction to clown world. Clown world you put the you know you try to draw attention to how clownish everything is but it, it you know in itself it, it, it's sort of a, um, an act of resistance in piss earth there is only acquiescence uh, you know I, I uh, in the same while we were discussing this on Twitter at the, at the time I, I mentioned um, you know we, we, I think we've rocketed in some ways past past Piss Earth even now to Hell Realm where demons are yeah. just in control, well, right? And everything which also, is topsy-turvy upside down.
1: What's also, one, one thing I wanted to kind of reflect on is that uh, Piss Earth is been around, it's a, I think it's a pretty old article, right? It's been around for... or Yes, yeah, it's, like it's like 2018, I think yeah, it was. Yeah, it's like, it's like yeah. two years old. And what's funny is the kind of uh, this is going to sound, I don't want to get too huge-brained, but this was kind of before uh, and before I led this, obviously, people kind of uh rediscovering Baudrillard and simply Baudrillard's perspective on like terrorism is almost identical to the kind of Piss Earth worldview where things are so locked into this telescape that any resistance would have to be like knowingly pointless and forceful and undirected but just at destruction. Which is kind of which is very similar to this kind of piss Earth of the world is acquiescence kind of to let let's the let's, re- let's
0: do our first selection here to sort of drive the point yeah. home. he says when we speak of these clownish things we speak well, we i uh, sorry let me back up for a second he says let us be clear there is clown world and there is pisser when we speak of clown world we speak of the contradictions and absurdities that the present culture and political order are built on we speak of a president who is able to shoot impotent missiles at a country his own citizens can't find on a map but who is powerless to stop a caravan of admixtured Aztecs wearing the hand-me-downs that Fat Bob of Fat Bob's T-Shirt Emporium wasn't able to sell. We speak of the nation grounding to a halt over whether or not little girls should be exposed to the Halloween parade hopped up on homemade HRT hobbling into their bathrooms. We speak of dozens of men who have lost gainful employment for making okay signs and photos because the Morris D's newsletter fell for a prank from mischievous anonymous frogs. When we speak of these clownish things, we speak with a feeling that dragging these things into the light and exposing them for all the world to see will allow the light to shine in and obliterate the vampires with its cleansing sunbeams. These are all flashpoints in the broad and all-encompassing culture war that the West has found itself embroiled in, with each day yielding a brand new skirmish to deploy for, though the war is already lost. When we speak of Clown World, we speak of trying to find a way to shoo out the clowns. Piss Earth is different. Piss Earth is the surrender. Piss Earth is the occupation. Piss Earth is the Morgenthau plan for your shattered psyche. Piss Earth is the moment this has all been building up to. Clown World ain't got nothing on Piss Earth 2025, the real greatest show on Earth.
1: Yep, and it's, you know, obviously it's, I, it does feel cheesy to think that we have it still accelerated, but like we have, I think we, we I think we've,
0: excel- this was, this is yeah. from December 2018, and uh, we have definitely accelerated yeah. from December 2018.
1: And obviously, kind of the titular moment of the Clown World uh, meme or whatever was the um, the late. Well, this is, this is how fitting is it that maybe we're already there. At clown World's over. Is that the American Identity Movement did their clown protest at a drag queen story hour? Uh, it was a big deal. It got a lot of positive. Oh, it was great. It was alt, uh, med- I, I, alt media. I, I don't attention. have the. I
0: should try, try to track down the videos of that. Was fantastic, and, and I'm sure yeah. they've all been disappeared on the internet.
1: And yeah. it got. You know, it got play on Infowars and it you know it got to the normie's eyes and no one cared really you know at the end of the day it was ineffective Uh, drag queen story Hour is, you know still chugging along Uh, no one cares the we kind of you know the attempt was made to shoot out the clowns and chugging along no the this is from,
0: from this is breaking well, news yesterday, as, yesterday
1: as of the recording of this an elected milwaukee
0: judge who is the ceo of a group that organizes drag queen story hour events has been arrested and charged with seven counts of the possession of child sexual abuse material
1: he has so. chewed up he's also a uh, you know a, a practicing uh, catamite and has two adopted. a joke. of
0: course he is of course he is yeah, he has a quote unquote husband and they've adopted uh, children that they're no doubt sexually abusing. Allegedly, I do. I, I don't know what my legal life whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. We all know that that's exactly what they're doing. So I don't really care.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's and and that's going to make another small alt media blurb. Uh, you can argue that uh, that the the American identity movement has been vindicated, but of course, they no longer well, exist to right be well, this, this right? is where it's i this is where i
0: sort of say like you know let's say clown world was doing the honk honk bit to drive to, to draw yeah. attention to this piss earth is the sort of acquiescence to this is now what we live in and and hell realm is like the, you know these people are in charge and and there's nothing you know it, it it's just everything is upside down and and uh, and and value systems have been and, you know the essence of satanism is the yeah. inversion of order right yeah. So anyway, I don't want to dwell too long on that. I just, um, yeah, it's it's yeah. it's uh, amazing how how things have have even just in the span of of two a little over two years, gotten even so much worse.
1: Yeah, and I think that's kind of uh, inevitable. I think look, I th- I don't think you would have been too far off in predicting in 2018, things are going to be much much worse in two years. Uh, no, either no. way, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I and I can predict now with pretty great confidence within two years, things will be much, much worse, much worse. And, I, you know, I, I put a lot of I put all my Bitcoin on it. Um, <laughs>
0: all of your Bitcoin. That's a lot of Bitcoin. Well, I. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So um, maybe on that note, you know, uh, there's there's a the 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 work concludes. So it's it's a I think we could talk a little bit about its structure. It's it's, a, it's mostly unstructured, but for sort of the place of publication which um there is some chronological overlap but is kind of um, uh, broadly chronological the earliest essays appear in the american sun um, which is the first collection the second is is borzoi's uh, personal blog race bores um, which extends chronologically and then he has new essays uh some i recognize from things he's talked about and, and twitter threads and and the like that he's sort of um you know had some things and and now he's fleshed out more and and some of them are are um completely new uh the last the last two pieces are um the 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 first the the penultimate piece is is called never the twain it's a kind of lightly fictionalized um you know what if i were doxed type story um which uh I, i found interesting for its sort of um uh, what is, basically it's projecting a few years into the future into 2024, and he notes the um, the COVID hysteria never went away. Uh, you know, there's all this speculation over is Trump going to run? Is he not going to run? And everybody's just tired of the of the situation. And, and meantime, you know, he's been doxxed. and there's a, a disgusting fat journalist, you know, harassing him. Um, and everything kind of sucks, but he's looking forward anyway. And and I think that sort of speaks to there's there's a really um, uh, beautiful and affecting piece that that concludes the um, the collection where it's it's his to his future unborn child. Um, I I th- thought about reading it. I don't want to read the whole thing. It's a little it's a, just maybe a little too long for this. And or I don't know. What do you think?
1: oh uh, no, I think you know. It- this isn't, the, this isn't the audio audiobook. Yeah, you know, you exactly. So we, whatever, we'll, we'll, let you, we'll let yeah. you read that.
0: But yeah. but the, the thing the thing about that was um, it really resonated for me with with some some notes that he had on um, American futurism, uh, which I really I, I know he says you know this is not a, a manifesto. I'm not going to write a manifesto of American futurism. I kind of wish he would, <laughs> uh, but I guess that's a, a project.
1: Yeah. that's actually one of the kind of criticisms I wanted to bring up of uh, the essay, is that you get a uh, a really good defined, uh, and that's kind of kind of the same with all essay collections. It's kind of the weakness of an essay collection is that it's it gives you an insight into kind of Borrows tone and his worldview, his and all these things. And it's really it's really great writing, but it does lack a certain uh, call to arms. It's not saying like Borrowsay needs to lay out the plan for victory, but uh, comparable books, like I, I would say, Bronze Age Mindset has a very like a, a rare defined thesis. Uh, yeah, you
0: can agree or disagree, but you know, yeah. Bronze Age really is pretty clear on yeah,
1: yeah. what he's into. And uh, Borzo never really g- gives us a thesis, uh, which I mean, there will be probably more Borzo books, right? That's up with obviously. Um, yeah, it kind of leave it kind of does leave you hanging a little bit. Uh, especially, I mean, I, using the phrase American futurism, because it's really a really it's a really juicy. Well, it's very uh, evocative, right? I mean, yeah. he,
0: you know, he. I think um, so. The essay, this piece, which is a short piece. Uh, most of the the new pieces are are, are pretty short compared to the Feasts of Shame, which you you re- read before. And yeah, it's like eighteen thousand words, and you know, half a dozen more than it's almost ten parts and. I would We'll argue dig into, into, into that in the, a little bit. Yeah. yeah, we'll get
1: into that. I have some stuff on that. That's of course.
0: Really but, um, uh, yeah, so, so this piece, "Whither American Futurism, begins back to blood. Blood in, blood out. That's the only way being an American will ever matter again. America, as it is, is an economic zone. The amalgamated stock of its founding peoples and European newcomers scarcely know what they are. But they believe that the American government was good to them and so they should be good to it. They believe that loyalty to traitors should count for something even as they pay for it with blood, treasure, and children. What they believe are their symbols they find they must share or rent. Flags and totems on lease from entities that own the rights and want to see them doped and dropped. These are the sentiments that will not do. These are not beliefs that will last. It is time to push forward. Americanism is dead, but American futurism can win. American futurism will win, but not without its people. I come not to praise Trump, but to bury him. I come not to go back, but to go forward. I come not to save America, but to create her. There is nothing you should not be willing to cast aside or destroy in, or- in order to take that essential first step. And and real quick, I'm sure you have some stuff to say to that, but I I just wanted to point out um, in terms of this, you know, uh, there is nothing you should not be willing to cast aside or destroy in order to take that essential first step, particularly with regard to those those symbols, the flags and totems that he mentions. Uh, Borzoi has been on the last couple um, uh, FTN Focus episodes with, and, and he and Jazz and James have, have done a really phenomenal job. I'm sure pretty much everyone listening to this has listened to those deep dives, but if somehow you haven't, they really do an incredible job of going back to original source material and and you know long forgotten secondary literature kind of almost in a mold buggy in vain and really critically re-examining the question of of you know america's founding who were the founding fathers what did they really believe what did they really set up who did it really benefit and 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 making i think a very convincing case for the argument that you know there was an american people in you know prior to the american revolution the American Revolution, you know, they haven't really gotten so much into that. They they more focus on the on the on the on the aftermath, of the Constitution, and so on, and make a very convincing argument that the American people were sold out at the Constitutional Convention and have been yeah. ever since. And there is and no going. Yeah, sorry, go on.
1: And it's really, uh, they really are great, and it's wonderful to see deconstruction used as a tool for good. Like, deconstruction is kind of a, uh, you know...
0: I have nuanced opinions on this that I won't spurg out about, but deconstruction is a neutral tool. That's all I'll say at the moment.
1: Yeah, but it's good that it's cutting something worth cutting, right? And I think also one of the the big critique, obviously, of the kind of modern... uh, I don't want to say... I really don't want to say postmodern, because it gives Jordan Peterson a boner, but... uh,
0: there was the a great kind of, bit about Peter- Yeah, sorry, go on. I'll, I'll find the, the bit about Peterson later. Maybe. But
1: like postmodern deconstruction, the big critique that is that it, it tears these things down and doesn't uh, build anything up in their place, obviously. Except for, you know, kind of the more ba- most base anti anti white kind of stuff. But the uh, the kind of FTN deconstruction, uh, it it's more of a it's trying to cut away things that we thought were essential and argues these are actually unessential elements of America, right? These are these are these kind of myths and heroes, kind of got wrapped up with with the with the American people, that maybe, that should shouldn't have been. And you, and you know, I I think that's a very worthwhile thing. It's kind of Absolutely. cutting away the fat versus like just trying to kind of choke, you know, choke his death in the crib. You know, it's a very it's a very different. Uh, tool also notably, none of that. If you want to more kind of criticisms, I'm surprised there isn't. Or Borsley hadn't written hadn't written more, kind of in that vein. All that F.T.N. stuff seems to be kind of very very confined to those episodes. So you show you know, almost no bleed over.
0: Yeah, it is it's almost like not. Um, it would be nice. I think that that's a that would be a ripe topic for, for future for future nonfiction, whether you know long yeah. form essays or or whatever. And absolutely,
1: um, I think one of the things that I'm a big advocate of is uh, we really need to get our stuff written down to be taken seriously. Yes. Um, I, I really think that's one I'm guilty of this things. too. I mean, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, we, we all are, yeah. obviously. So. But the, the but the point that it needs to, you know, it needs to be said, reset till we till we get it, is that until your ideas are on paper. And now there's no excuse because we have Antelope Hill. We have uh, I think I believe Imperium Press is publishing new work. Um, you know, there's all kind of there's all kind of outlets now um, that aren't just like self published on Amazon. They are you know, um, so at this point. You really if your ideas can't be defined written down, if you can't write it, I don't want to say manifesto, but <laughs> 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 the bad word, don't little, use it. Yeah.
0: You know, No, but you have to I mean, whatever you want to call it, yeah, pamphlet or at least or, or some, you know, yeah. it doesn't have to be necessarily that long. But I, I think we need to I, 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 there is a space, even if even if this, you know, whatever it is to to 2000 two words or however long, you know, he's, he says at the end. I don't have a plan or a manifesto that sets the American Futurist agenda. That can only be determined by the men who create the future. It's a monumental task, but America has never been an easy land. It was always a frontier, and despite attempts to touch the stars, America is the final frontier. Oh, yes. Its children it's have be- nowhere else to go.
1: Yeah, and, and one more note on American that I wanted to say earlier is that, or with the American in the art, the essay is that, it's like very. Uh, I know this wasn't intentional because Borzoi isn't this grandiose, but it's like pure muss, muss, Mussolini. <laughs> this this is how mussolini <laughs> s- yeah. sounds if you read his speeches. Uh, you know, out with the old, and you know part of that is that the, the future, American Futurism is obviously inspired by Italian uh, futurism, which he references. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is all about you know destroying the old you know, cults of speed and such
0: beautiful art the best i remember like i i was uh i think like my first real direct brush up with with italian futurism was in the museum of modern art in new york and i remember like instant like i saw it and instantly connected with it i just like this is the coolest shit ever you sort of see it, it you know the there's stylistic derivatives in mid-20th century art and, and, and especially in science fiction and things like that and it really touched a nerve in me and i loved it and then of course the little blur on the museum side is like you know blah blah fascism Mussolini. it's like okay yeah.
1: Uh, my so my first exposure was uh, kind of in a similar vein, but a little a little more based. Uh, so I before Franco was uh, ripped out of Valle de Esqueros, uh, the Valley of the Martyrs in Spain. I went to visit uh, the you know the Basilica there, and obviously there's some you know kind of I don't you know more traditional you know, coats of arms and eagles and such, but there's some really hardcore futurist stuff there are gargoyles that are angels that are like muscular but they're not muscular in a like a kind of michelangelo way they're muscular in almost like a kind of stylized very broad-shouldered like kind of like almost batman cartoon way and so it's not this hyper realistic renaissance style it's this kind of futurist uh stylized so it like it leaves an impression of strength on you there's uh holding up some candles there's these uh, kind of stenc—not stencils, but these, like, what's what's the called? It's a flat sculpture made of metal. A bar, oh, a
0: metal. I don't know. A bar relief is like. Anyway, it doesn't matter.
1: Anyway, it's 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 it's, it's, it's basically. It's, I guess it's a sculpture, right? It's a, it's a. It looks like it's a flat sculpture, and there are angels uh, holding up candles in a very traditional manner, except for the angels are wearing style helms, and it's all in two D. So there's this like big impression of speed Fuckin as they're based. kind of russian <laughs> <anus-rushing> <laughs> and extremely and it, metal it, it, yeah yeah and uh and it, obviously it's tied with a lot of very excellent traditional art and some excellent themes and all and obviously there's jose antonio's there and franco's there himself and there's two 20, 000, you know corpses corpses in the in the monument you know it's it's a it's a you know it's a, it's a very powerful thing but the like the very futurist elements really stuck with, stuck with me uh, in a way, you know, it, 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 it's something it, they give a kind of a what might have been feeling, and they, obviously because it's, it's Spain, and, you know, Franky was ripped out of it, but uh, it does point to a uh, something that's modern, something that's made in the modern era, but isn't like hideous. It has a has a thesis. It has some kind of goal in mind. It's not, uh, you know, ironic or deconstructive or ugly for ugliness' sake. It's it's a it gives you a when you actually see. Something uh, in the futurist school. It's uh, it's it gives you a, a very visceral impression that I mean I guess even Art Deco can't because Art Deco kind of lacks the uh, vitality. I would argue. I like Art Deco, it. but it's it's, I mean, it's definitely good compared decadent. to everything else. It, you know,
0: it's yeah, um, it's it's decadent in a way that and and it's it's clearly a, it's almost kind of like a modernist Baroque to me um, versus you know yeah futurism I guess. Yeah. Is,
1: well, the best parts of of like of Deco are like they're kind of more reactionary stuff, right? Like the, uh, you know, but the, you know, the, the uh, like Greek gods and relief on the sides of buildings. Oh yeah, some of that stuff is. That's great. But yeah, that's yeah. the most kind of reactionary classical yeah. stuff. Whereas, uh, it's that's just that's just calling back to older, better stuff. Whereas Futurism is definitely a new, separate thing. That's very much, you know. Anyway, yeah. Well, let's not get too deep into, you know. <laughs> our love for fascist art, because that's kind of arguably a kind of a tendency that this book, this book is kind of uh, crying out against.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's, you know, a sense in which, um, I mean, I I think, you know, maybe to, to go on another side note that, you know, the discussion uh, coming from this book, like, I think it's an interesting question and something we haven't quite um, entirely grappled with as a movement, which is fine. I mean, it's not you know necessarily a problem, but it is, it's an interesting question and which is you know what to do with the legacy of of 20th century fascist and and national socialist movements um you know people during the great optics war of whenever that was 2017 or so um you know the people were always saying oh you know you are so beholden to this thing and it's it's aesthetic and you're just in love with these aesthetics and well well actually everybody hates them and that's not true people love like you know fascist aesthetics you know the, the the coolest Americana is basically fascist aesthetics, but as far as specific symbols and, you know, specific uh, art forms or things like this, um, you know, I guess he doesn't quite put it this way, Borzo doesn't quite put it this way in, in, the, in the text itself, but, you know, I, I, think, uh, I think they have expressed it this way in, um, on the podcast series, which is, you know, take what's best from the past, take what's useful, take what works, and just forget the rest, you know, and you don't, or, or, at the very least, don't give it an outside, you know, don't play, don't, uh, you know, worship these dead forms that, you know, it just you don't continue to mouth these pieties that nobody actually, you know, believes in anymore because it's not helpful. It doesn't, it yeah. doesn't accomplish anything, and you can apply that to pretty much everything.
1: Yeah, it's also important to remember that like there are certain tactics that these other movements used that they are, they, they they kind of see them coming. And you can even see this in articles, like, uh, obviously, like, public speeches are a very powerful tool to expanding ideology and expanding a, kind of a, a resistance movement, but they have a very good tool in their toolbox, which is Antifa attacks, there's a scuffle, events shut down, and all your guys who defend themselves get arrested, right? That's a really good tactic the system has for destroying that one tool public speeches that they've honed, they've honed that tool over the last, you know, 70 years, having to do, like, you know, in in fear of a kind of a, a new resistance movement, so we have to think, well, we have to be a step ahead, a little more creative, uh, a little more, you know, outside the box, because we can't, we can't just dust it off the old, you know, stormtrooper, stormtrooper playbook, you have to you have to, uh, you know, they know what's coming if we try it that way, and They've had 80 years to stop that particular thing. So, you know, we, we obviously do need, you know, new approaches and new strategies. And uh, arguably, like, waving the American flag is not a new strategy. It's been, <laughs> that's been tried too, you know. And, then, and they see that coming as well. So, but I, I wanted to uh, kind of pivot to the Feast of Shame if you're ready for it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, maybe just like a,
0: a quick, brief word. So, yeah. So, uh this, I think, was the, um, I mean, I, I have, again, we're trying to do this with, like, we haven't talked to Borzoi about doing this. This will be a surprise to him, surprise to everyone. Um, as an outsider, I guess, uh, it seems to me that while while Borzoi has uh, obviously been um, producing a bunch of content for a while and, and and clearly, you know, been writing for a while and is a very gifted and, and, and skilled uh, wordsmith, uh, Feasts of Shame is kind of in a class of its own, in in some ways it's um i don't know i mean he does so much and with and 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 it's it's really a kind of uh a masterwork and 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 kind of deserves to be its its own it deserves to be a, a, a you know a larger work um but although maybe you know he's enough, he said enough he he doesn't he uh one of his virtues as a writer is he he tends to say less with more which is which is good uh, i do not have that tendency <laughs> but but uh uh, yeah, this is I think the essay that put um, Borzoi on the map as a, a not just a skilled you know not just a a, a gifted intellect in terms of his um, ability to contribute generally, but a but a but a, a a researcher and a writer of the first class who deserves to be taken seriously by society at large as as a as a researcher and a writer um, and uh, yeah so so and this is, you know just its own kind of I don't know so let's yeah let's let's dig into it what what would you say or Give me your big picture first, or 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 how did you come across it, or, or what do you have to say just to just to start out with?
1: Uh, so obviously I read it when it came out. Okay, but I did. It's very it's very long, and uh, on rereading it, I found a uh, a bunch more you know excellent gems, and yeah. You know, so I got, I've gotten a lot more familiar for, for uh, parts. Obviously, it's funny parts, and every single part it can be read on itself. I think I don't obviously they're good as a whole, but. All the parts you've written by themselves and if you already read yeah, it it's almost kind time.
0: of fractal in the sense of like you know this essay so this book is a collection of Borzois' essay there's the longest essay is in itself i mean they uh, a collection of a sort of min you know six sub essays yeah called, th- you know. and which are thematically connected um in a way that i guess it wasn't possible for this book but would be nice to see for for future compilations of essays if if that's the direction he goes in
1: yeah um but so the one so obviously if you read from you read it every they'll all uh, really I think pop out at you in their own kind of way, um, but so when I reread it I I had you know I read it when it came out I think it was 20, early twenty nineteen it came out initially it doesn't matter, but uh, January really twenty twenty, wow ooh, <laughs> wow yeah. Time feels anyway. I
0: mean it's funny how long ago that feels like, uh, and I remember it, because like that was when. The covid situation was not like autists on the Internet were, had seen these horrifying videos coming out of China. I, stent, I still we still don't know what the hell was up with that. Um, but people on 4chan and, and, and then that was spreading from 4chan to Twitter were, were posting, you know, it was like clear that covid was happening. But the only people who cared about covid were were basically anonymous racists on the Internet uh, as of January 2020, which is funny. To me, because that was the, basically, like, from, from Jan, January is when the first um, price spikes happened on protective equipment. I remember getting, that was when I got, like, a hardcore 3M respirator mask. And, and like, I, I was still available, but the prices were starting to go up, and they were available from third-party sellers on Amazon. Later in February, they'd be completely sold out. By March, they were, they were like, tell, throughout this whole period, they were telling people to... Um, You know, that that you can't wear a mask properly and don't wear a mask, and it spreads by hand contact, remember to wash your hands. Do you remember that video
1: from from New York at this nursing home, and it's this grubby looking uh, kind of shekel smeller guy, and he's sprinting to his van. Okay, he's, like, like, because
0: he's scalping the personal, profe- uh, personal protection. Well, I believe like he owned the. It was
1: like, he owned the place,
0: the, whatever the nursing home, and he was selling it. Yeah, he was like lo- he was stealing it essentially and loading yeah, it up and
1: selling it to his community. Yeah, yeah. But these the dumb, the dumb, uh, his dumb employees that didn't know the shot. Right, and they were all like, uh, you know, come on, man, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> right. So I mean, it, it would be interesting
0: to sort of you know, it, it's just funny like this as one of the greatest humiliation rituals. You know, in, in, in certainly post war American history has been unfolding with this whole COVID nonsense. Uh, you know, we had the, the, the masks and the, and the enforced, you know, people having being forced to wear their masks ap- on top or as an additional aspect of the humiliation of first being told that the only people who, you know, you, if you want a mask, if you want to wear a mask, you're a stupid racist. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just a kind of funny note. But yeah, it, it, and, and just barely a year ago, and, and wow, how long ago that feels like.
1: Yeah, but uh, to get into it, the one, so when I read it this time, the, uh, the portion that really spiked out at me was the uh, part six uh, about, about, about Yukio Mishima and uh, Japan, and like, in their kind of view on humiliation and the post-war era, and it's interesting because I, I since, you know, I read initially, I've learned, I have read up a lot on uh, Mishima, I've, I've, I think I've read, uh, I've read about probably 80% of all his writings that are in, in English. And uh, and I've you know really read up on the guy and there's obviously and it starts off with uh, this Mishima quote that uh, obviously applies to his uh, to, you know, his his situation a lot but uh, arguably I think if if you're someone who which is when I got into this I really looked to the military as a solution to kind of the end of America and obviously you can't and I think this kind of drives it home both for. This it's, it's, it's quote is both Mishima giving up, and I think it's something we kind of need to all note uh, about the U.S. military. Uh, during our 60-day uh, stand down for extremism, uh, which is, I believe this is day 30 of, or something like that. And it, <laughs> yeah. This is the quote. Uh, if you are men, how could a man's pride allow this? Even after enduring and enduring, rising up with firm resolution, once the last line of what you are supposed to protect has been crossed, is what it means to be a man, what it means to be a warrior. We desperately strained our ears, but from nowhere in the Japanese self-defense force did we hear a man's voice rise in response to the humiliating order to protect that which negates you. Now that it has come to this, with the awareness of your own power, you knew that the only path forward was the correction of the twisted logic of the nation, but the SDF has been as silent as a canary with its voice stolen." Uh, Which is an excellent, you know, it's, Mishima, it's basically Mishima kind of giving up. Uh, I, I believe, the, yeah, that's, so that idea yeah, that was from his last speech before, you know, uh, you know, his suicide, where he kind of he, gives up on the military uh, as a revolutionary force in Japan. And while I don't re- recommend the second half of his actions, I, I do recommend uh, giving up on the military and... Uh, as a revolutionary force in the American mind, it, it's probably most, one of the most poisonous things, actually, in both the right-wing mind overall, and especially in the United States. Obviously, QAnon has its roots uh, in, in that, but uh, there's a kind of a there's uh, there's a kind of impulse to look to the military because of uh, arguably, you know, the U.S. is just like the northmost Latin American country. And what happens when a Latin American country gets too like weird and gay is the military steps in, but that's not happening for us because you know the CIA that would do that is you know doing the, the op here, so it's kind of it's kind it's kind of, it's kind of a moot point. And uh, he talks a lot about uh, kind of the the, and this one it's it's about like, also gaslighting. Uh, and gaslight and gaslighting is kind of an overused word in modern parlance, especially by like. TikTok girls and stuff about, uh, you know, people are gaslighting you to believe X, Y, Z. But, so one of his big examples of gaslighting is that in uh, 2004, the Pentagon, the former Department of Defense uh, Director, uh, Thomas Barnett wrote that by 2050, uh, I believe it was one third of its population, Japan's population should be foreign born to replace the working-age citizens that they're losing at a higher rate and that wouldn't be Japan anymore it would yeah, be let's re- Japan. he says so as for Japan be as much Japan. as
0: one-third of its 2550 population would be foreign-born if they pursued the immigration rate required to stabilize their absolute number of working-age citizens pause to note like that's a big like the assumption here of course is that you know population big line must always go up anyway he continues simply put that wouldn't be japan anymore that would be an entirely new country i personally believe that would be a better japan because i think that insular society has so much to offer the world and that letting more of that world in will let the japanese achieve the normal nationhood they have sought ever since their brush with the apocalypse in 1945. such are the tides of history um Borzoi goes on this is a master class in humiliation via gaslighting Thomas Barnett, a representative of an actual military occupying force that has disarmed the country it occupies, speaking casually about destroying its homogeneity. I would say not just its homogeneity, its people. It's it's genocide is what he's talking about. And framing it as something the Japanese would want after the United States atomically, quote, rescued them from their own apocalypse. The thumbscrews have been turning for some time now.
1: Yeah, and it's, and obviously all of this uh and it applies. I'm sorry, to I'm US. just really
0: triggered. Like, like
1: yeah, I would be triggered if this was fucking African.
0: Like, I'm not saying like obviously, you know, uh, Mike was talking recently on the third on the uh on the third on the sh- on the Daily Show about uh you know uh right-wingers often have a kind of sentimental attachment to Japan for a variety of reasons. Yeah, Borzoi mentions the same thing. He talks about it. What was it? A post-ironic attraction to Japanese women and, and you know, uh, 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 they people like anime and stuff. But, um, no, I mean, look, honestly, speaking in all honesty right now, you know, if, if this if this disgusting just genocidal maniac had said this about Togo, I would be offended on, on the behalf of, of, of Togens or whatever they're this called. This
1: happened to me literally last week. I was talking to a man from Kurdistan about this very phenomenon in Kurdistan. So, in Kurdistan, a man makes a worker makes $800 a month. That's kind of the average wage, right? But the U.S. government controls effectively Kurdistan and they have guest worker programs where guest workers come from uh, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, and the Philippines to work for $300 a month in fucking poor ass, bumfuck Kurdistan. Really? <laughs> <laughs> what
0: the, yeah. Is there nothing this gay ass <laughs> empire won't destroy? I, I mean, the fucking like the, they, they undercut the median wages in fucking Kurdistan with imported foreign labor. Like, like not. I mean, I just. What do you even say to that? Uh, it's almost, well, this is, this have, goes back to our initial. Point,
1: p- it's Im- it's impressive. Well, that goes this, goes this goes right
0: back to where you know I guess it was it was fortuitous or it makes sense what we would talk about American futurism and this whole thing. I mean, we we must. I, you know, it, it's understated in this particular collection of of essays. It's not understated in 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 Borzoi's you know personal um, you know in, in things that he said. But I, his I think he's over. That's right, generally. Um, but we need to get over this hump of identifying the American people with the American government and including, you know, uh, yes, all the way back to the founding. Or, you know, he says in that essay that, you know, whatever America was died at Appomattox. That's a fair. That's not you know, he's, he's not the first person to say that. I think there's a lot to it. Yeah. We've but, all read but, Faulkner, guy. Come on. <laughs> but, but the point is, you know, uh, yeah, we, we, we need to get over this idea of, you know, we, we are a we are a nation. Americans are a nation without a government, right? We are an occupied people occupied by a, a, a you know, a, a genocidal, violent, disgusting, degenerate, uh, alien elite. And and the sooner we get over this conceptual hump of thinking that, you know, the American government really has ever had our best interests in mind, you know, the better the better it will be for us and then the more effective we will be at forging our new American future.
1: Yeah, and... Uh one other incident from, call it, from, uh, the, uh, Feast of Shame, I remember is that uh, there was a, uh, I don't know if anybody remembers it, but there was a really bizarre interaction between, uh, some kind of, I don't want to say a two-bit academic, but, like, a, he was like a middle-aged, like, white guy with a beard who was some kind of professor of something at some university somewhere, uh, relatively unknown, who had this bizarre Twitter action with Borzoi, uh, and... I went to the DMs with this guy asking him, hey, where'd you, like, not, because there was a, more so I think offended him and, or something like that or brushed him off and uh, he was kind of, uh, he w- didn't like it or whatever, but uh, a day or two after, I DM'd the guy and was like, hey, how'd you find, like, how'd you run across this? Like, what do you think of, like, because he was always talking about the Feast of Shame and he's, and he's, you know, I don't, I'm always going to say his name because he might get, like, legitimately fired for this, but, uh, and look at that Boerswood Count's long dead, so, you know, he's safe. But he was like, I read The Feast of Shame, and it, I couldn't get out of where he found it. He was like, I think it was one of the most important things I'd ever read, most, you know, best things I'd ever read. And I was like, ah, well, that's, you know, I, you know, you know he's he's a, he's some nobody academic, but he said it hit on a lot of important things in American society and culture that uh, need to be hit on that weren't. And I kind of view that, you know, because I, Vulnerable to credentialism as like oh this really is a like good I'm not just crazy it's not just my little bubble there's like some shit lives somewhere who stumbled upon this without prejudices and really did like it so you know there's there's a there there that it's not you know that that anybody it's not just uh, who's yeah star, you know, who's who's right. fair-minded will see yeah yeah of course and do you remember and, that you know, incident do you remember that incident I I va- I have a very vague recollection of this yes um I mean you know and do, if if. If you remember this, do not comment the guy's name because he'll be yeah. fired.
0: <laughs> no, I, I do remember that. Um, you know, and, and and Borzo, I remember what I think one of probably the height of uh, of like f- frog Twitter ish. You know, Twitter was was Borzoi getting when he had a uh, like a what's that Finnish bear? It was like a Finnish. Oh, bear. Oh, Spurdo, yeah. Spurdo, like yeah. an alien. And getting retweeted, Avi, Avi getting retweeted by Ann Coulter. I think that was, you know, it, it was. It's it, it's funny to reflect. The reason I bring it up is is, is not just to reminisce, but to, to reflect on. Uh, <laughs> it, it's it's you know, as we as we're speaking now, um, I mean, who knows what how this will be in the future or what you know they have in in, in store for us. But um, Twitter is at, at the, I guess we're over the hump of a major major purge. Um, you know, that Twitter, that Borzoi Twitter account that you mentioned is gone, that was, I think, after the one that I mentioned that was retweeted by, it was, it was in fact suspended not long after Ann Coulter uh, retweeted it, and uh, yeah, I mean, there were, it used to be the case that that, um, that there was a space for our work, and, and work like Borzoi's, you know, to, to make it in the public square, to the extent that something like Twitter is basically just the public square now and that is being systematically stripped from us so where you know now that they, they've you know twitter has been going on these these incredibly just ugly purge for for months now about a, i guess about a month um and uh yeah it, it, it's a, it's an interesting question i think what i, I the, the thing is that one of the things that gives me hope and 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 if <laughs> here's another kind of maybe slight point of um critique is uh i, I wouldn't say that that borzoi in this work, in this collection of essays, gives in to the um, gives into nihilism or despair. He's, he's careful, I think, not to do that, but the temptation is clearly omnipresent. And uh, how, how does he how does he end the? He um, he says this is not a pep talk. This is the end of the feast of shame. He says this is not a pep talk. This is not about some fiery human spirit that prevails because it has righteousness on its side. This is not a call to action, this is not a sermon about the people who were cast out of a shining city on the hill, and who will one day return. This is cultural graffiti, a marker for those who need to know their own have passed through, a buoy for the ashamed, who want to cling instead of drown. For now. Resistance and restoration is the only way forward. Resistance in our mocking laughter, restoration in our children. Resistance in defying lies, restoration in our history. Resistance in our discipline, restoration in our truth. Our society is a conquered one, and our children and grandchildren might curse us for not doing more. That is their right. The fight should have been ours, never theirs. The haunted and humiliated live in pain and self-pity, always forgetting that pain must be passed through. We must pass through. We can't go back. We can't run. We have to go forward. We have to live without fear of being denied a mangy dog's table scraps. We have to live in truth. Go then, and give them nothing to gloat over.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, you know it's powerful words. Uh, yeah, it, it, obviously I don't. He doesn't. You know it's. Uh, you know Borzois work has kind of been a. Uh, if you're a real third rail old head, you'll remember that uh, kind of black people Borzoi was is a. It was an old. It was kind of a phenomenon that was. Not always the case, obviously. It was kind of a brief window. I think kind of maybe <laughs> overdefined him in a lot of yeah. ways. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, he actually was initially he was the counterpoint to uh, the Black Pill long shot with Laritz, right? It wasn't always. Yes. Uh, that's you know he kind of fell into the Black Pill role after Laritz left, but I think that's kind of an error that's kind of come past. Even if it kind of always kind of hung on to Borzoi. Uh, I wanted to change gears in the Feast of Shame because we did the Feast of Shame. all Yeah. Day. We could, in some ways, uh, it could
0: just be its own yeah. thing. Maybe we'll at some point in the future. Go on.
1: Uh, so I wanted to go on to uh some some things that I hadn't uh because I I, I, had, I had read most of uh Borsoi's stuff before and uh while his uh, review of uh, Hitler is great and I I wanna go into it, I had never read his Hitler, review of Hitler the King book of by Wyndham
0: Lewis, just to be clear. Yes.
1: Yes. Uh I so I read his review of the King of Dogs.
0: Sorry, just that would give me mental image of review Rebu- review bra doing a review of Hitler and that made me laugh inside. Anyway, go yeah. on.
1: So uh hit so the King of Dogs is a uh, it's a speculative work of fiction set in a kind of fallen America and um it's an excellent review it actually made made me buy the book uh that's how how good it was but um what, what there's a excellent quote that he quotes in his review where uh as an American, let me confirm there's no such thing as America. Uh, which is, which, you know, obviously I think it's been a kind of this, the, kind of the resounding sentiment, uh, throughout like kind of the, the, far right. But also I want to point that the, uh, the King of Dogs is a, is a really interesting piece because it's kind of like a, almost, I don't want to say wish fulfillment, but there's a, uh, there's like a, a Rhodesian mercenary character all this stuff. It's kind of like a, it's, it there is like a kind of a collection of memes they're not me. I don't want to say memes, but like archetypes of cool things that guys in the far right got into. It's there's the kind of independent uh, American out on the land, you know, uh, making his way. He's you know behaving heroically and bravely, but also like not too brave. There's a good bit of uh, Cormac McCarthy. Influence, yeah, it sounds obviously. like
0: a kind of right
1: wing the road, in which I he mentioned sort of uh I am curious. So was yeah. this
0: published through Antelope Hill?
1: Do you know? Or No, no. This episode is independent by the author. Okay. Um the, the art the review is Read American Son. Gotcha. Yeah. It's not yeah, it's not a forward, it's a review. Um but yeah it, it's interesting because uh McCarthy McCarthy's arguably kind of a right wing figure anyway. Uh and a kind of a Writing version of that is an is an interesting idea, but um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot involved. I think there's there's a certain amount of like uh, there's themes of that about like personal asceticism and things that uh, are very interesting. Um, but also the article that gets into uh, how to say the art the there's other view I guess you call it is um, it goes. Obviously, it starts out of a book review, but it goes really like smoothly into a kind of a meditation on collapse, which is obviously a c- 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 collapse. It's kind of like the Borzoi theme. Uh, it talks about the um, defense of Claremont against the Visigoths, uh, events like that, and uh, as a kind of well. Let's say for, a few
0: words because I, I think the you know maybe those of you who haven't either haven't read the book or, or don't remember the. Claremont was a Roman city, in the in the la- almost you know the very end of the empire, but not quite the very end, um, where it was clear that the the people nominally in charge were unable or unwilling to help in the defense against the Visigoths. So, uh, the um, these two brothers, a, a who, one who would go on to be a saint, um, in in the in the church, uh, basically. Put up their own. They were aristocrats. They put up their own money to fund and organize the the defense of this city, and they were successful for a time. Um, and it's you know it's a great story and very inspiring. But of course, there's there's a coda, which is uh, the city fell three years later, and um, and that was that. You know, one brother went off to be a monk, the other was recalled uh, to the provincial capital, uh, and then not too long after that, the final Roman Empire, uh, Roman Emperor uh, Romulus Augustulus. Abdicated, so you know the, the the kind of implication here being, um, you know, it, I, I, I I will admit to being you know partial to this kind of model of heroism. Uh, actually, you know, we talked about this I think on the Mass Effect episode, uh, you know, in terms of like it does, you don't necessarily need to succeed in your overall strategic goals for heroism to be necessary and and proper and right. And yeah, you know, what could what could these brothers do other than mm-hmm defend their city that was right for them to do even if it was kind of hope you know quote unquote hopeless in yeah. the end
1: and uh borza makes a passive reference to this where if you can imagine a more ideal situation where you have like one of the one of the big things for like the right wings uh, oh if we had a money guy like a, a, what if like a billionaire came into our side and had our beliefs like the right the red pill bi- red pill billionaire that people thought peter Thiel was or trump was or elon musk was or whatever or what if we had like a literal like saint Come back, come down, come and save us, and uh, uh, Claremont had both. You know, they had a, they had a money guy and a legitimate saint, and still failed. You know. Yeah, I mean Which sometimes is, I I, I sometimes, um, sometimes you lose. You know. That's the
0: thing. I mean, I people like we like it's a joke, kind of a think on our on our thing about uh, Star Trek, but the, the, like there's actually I think a lot of profundity to the Kobayashi Maru thing. Like I, I think like the the lesson that sometimes you do everything right. And it's still, it's not enough for reasons that are out of your control. It's something that, you know, we all, that is something that mature people need to understand. It's part of maturity means learning that lesson. Um, Obviously, in in Star Trek, they kind of try to backdoor liberal bullshit into like, yeah, but if you could just change it, that's not possible. It's not always, get get over that part of it. Like the point is, you know, sometimes you, you just have to face the inevitable. We all have to face the inevitable with dignity and grace. And, and with as much courage and, and honor as we can muster, period. Yeah.
1: That's, what, that's why I smoke cigarettes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I see. Anyway, um,
1: do is there? Did we finish? Were we, were we done with the feast of shame? Was there more we wanted to say? Or, or I mean, I, um, I think we can kind of go endlessly into it if you want to. But there's there's so many good parts, and they're basically all have really great d- discreet lessons. I don't want to kind of, I want to kind of cover. Maybe we'll save it for another also, time.
0: Maybe, I, maybe we could have Borzoi on and discuss the Feast of Shame. Maybe. We'll, we'll but also I think
1: it. if you're going to buy this book, you've already read it. Yeah, I that's think. true. And my thing is just reread Feast of Shame. If, yeah, well, if one thing
0: I did want to maybe cap that discussion in particular, you know, that, that thing on was, um, by noting that like Borzoi did not invent the phrase humiliation ritual, but he definitely popularized it. And I have seen, I think, uh, it was, it was in the relatively recent past, um, box day used the phrase humiliation ritual on his blog i've seen it everywhere i even saw uh i i still kind of keep tabs i I no longer watch tucker to like because i'm interested per se in what he's saying but i do still kind of i want i want to know what the tucker watching wing what what tucker is saying to the tucker watching wing of the republican party if that makes sense i guess this is okay if you see it it's for you so whatever i'm gonna defend but i'm not trying to defend it with irony i'm just literally saying anyway he had uh, tucker had naomi wolf on this kind of jewish uh, feminist, uh, uh, type, but they were, you know, they have, they reached a point of agreement, which I also agree on about COVID. And, um, you know, they were, they, they were discussing, um, their, uh, the, the, the government response to COVID and, and how they're shre- you know, shredding the, the, uh, uh, civil rights that exist on paper and have existed since the founding in the name of fighting this, this flu. <laughs> and, um, Naomi Wolf of all people, now she she seemed to like catch herself. I wasn't sh- quite sure if it was because the phrase that came to her mind was r- humiliation ritual and she wanted to use something else or what. But she she basically, like she she started saying talking about humiliation and that they're humiliating us in a way to just sort of exercise you know as a flex. And like to me watching, I could be making this up, I and mean, it was definitely subjective. But it seemed like the word in her mouth was humiliation ritual and um she just kind of chose something else because she wanted to choose something else for who knows what reasons but um yeah i, I think that th- you know the concept of a humiliation ritual is is um very much fleshed out uh he doesn't really define it per se but he doesn't really need to i think or maybe it would be, that'd be you know a subject for a more for a subsequent more kind of formal work um but but the con- you know th- 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 now we know humiliation rituals when we see them right and we didn't necessarily before and that i think is one of the most useful just in a practical sense, things that any piece of writing can do and, and that this really, really great essay um, did, has done.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving on. <laughs> pressing, moving on forward. You, pressing forward. Pressing <laughs> forward. I want to talk about uh, his last uh, Race Boar's article, The Worst Empire in the World
0: yes that was the other big picture thing that i think we and and this surprisingly has not gotten i think as much press which to me like just goes to show you i guess i mean i i get it the feast of shame is you know it's, it's a stylistic powerhouse and and it, it was already you know in, and it, it deserves to be impactful and has been impactful great 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 um the original research this needs to be a book this really needs to be a book and i'd be happy to collaborate you know boards if you ever listen to this or whatever we'll figure something out or or i don't know uh it touches on so much and 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 it's really amazing because like you could see the threads are all there and a lot of these connections were known but it would be a question of like you know people knew that Richard Burton got into this so the i guess to back up for a second the 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 it's it's actually it's, it's two separate essays both on the um the uh the the the, the, the Victorian era Anglo-Zionist Empire and Orientalism primarily by way of the Ottomans. Um,
1: and, and, the Crowley stuff. Yeah, and the Crowley stuff. I, well,
0: but yeah, I guess he's a little later than Victoria. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but really like, you know, cause we all kind of, I mean, the you know, even before I was red pilled, I was, or I guess fully red pilled, you could say like, I knew what the Balfour declaration was. I knew that the, you know, the, the, cause whatever, it doesn't matter why personal doxy reasons. Uh, point is like, I knew what the Balfour Declaration was. I knew that the the English had screwed the Arabs, and and were very much the power behind the formation of of the modern state of Israel, and and some of this kind of stuff. Um, but that's kind of like at a very big picture, and and this essay really gets these two essays really go into the uh, the the nitty gritty, n- not just of like the players themselves and their connections with each other and with with. You know, intelligence agencies and the literary world, and with the occult like Aleister Crowley, but just how disgusting and degenerate they were, yeah, and how
1: the, the amount of pederasty is—it's
0: really incredible. And and I mean, you kind of always like, you, you know, it, it's something that you might have, you know, I, I had sort of heard about maybe in the past, or or you know, but you're, you're you know, but the extent more, of it—it's like you know, it's one and, thing you, you like. You like you, who is this? Uh, 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 A.E. Houseman or whoever it was, these you know these, these sort of like 19th century British poets, you know, talking about this one time he and his friend like, jerked each other off at Cambridge. It's like, okay, whatever. But this is like so much worse than... That's sort of this big, like, extremely sanitized also version also of
1: it. like so much... It's also like... It goes on quite late. Like, you think you can... Like, it, it's quite late in the Victorian era. Like, it's... You would assume certain, like, you know, there's... Because the reason I was so amazed that this hadn't been, like, exposed more thoroughly and I guess it kind of... I'm sure there's been some levels of writing on it, but there's, like, entire uh, studies of these, like, there, there's whole departments of universities that are kind of devoted to finding anything, you know, broadly, you know, of this proclivity before 1900 and making a big deal about it, right? That's, like, the entire job of whole departments of universities. And they have utterly ignored uh, yeah. this whole thing. Yep, and I mean for obvious reasons, but but, oof, like it just shows how motivated and how how political those. It's just are. a
0: side note, and I mean this is sort of like you know, Borsway doesn't go into this, but it's fine. It's not what the essay is about exactly, but you know, as part of this broader discussion of of, of homosexuality, like people, the, the, these liberals love to like rag on the the twentieth century. British penal code that you know unjustly blah blah. blah, Alan Turing you know and Turing was uh, uh, imprisoned for his homosexuality and how terrible it was. It's like yeah, when you have all these disgusting degenerates literally running around the empire buggering little boys and and bragging about it in their little in their little books they write for each other. Like, is it is it <laughs> do you, maybe people don't like that? Maybe like there are laws gonna be laws to protect English children from these rapacious perverts. You ever think yeah. about that?
1: And also, like, it's a big, big win for the continent. Like, while well, the continent was developing like, futurism and like nationalism and all these kind of ideology, and even like Marxism and things, you know, things that would go on in the future, the Brits are like doing this. You know, as, as the continent's kind of shaking the world with philosophy. Let me like, see the if finest I can, yeah. the finest minds of Britain are doing this. Uh,
0: let me see if I can find the quote. This was this was sort of like a. a um you filibuster for a second
1: yeah also uh so i don't want to like be it this is this is going to come off as like a very dismissive of like Ch- Chesterton and stuff and like the kind of british reactionaries but oh, there's all these kind of great british reactionary writers from about 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 contemporary with this kind of stuff and the fact that they never bring it up like imagine if, if i was a which i am a kind of a you know a a right-wing commentator on like the, the politics of the day and these kind of things, and I knew that all the left-wing thought leaders were doing this kind of stuff. My every other word, my out of my mouth would be like names, states, what they did with who, and, uh, and there's no way that these guys, this was like as well kept a secret because the amount of people involved and frankly, you know, like government, like government organization, like there's no way that guys, I don't want to say J.K. Had just a knew and didn't say anything, but like, the kind of, the right wing of Britain, I guess, like the old Tories, who are kind of kind of fond, fondly looked at, uh, you know, all the, all the old good old imperialists, were just kind of not, I don't want to say they were okay with it, but they had like a, some kind of really gay, uh, not, not not this gay, but like spiritually gay sense of proprietary propriety where they wouldn't like, like you could just tell everybody that this was happening, right? And you could have maybe saved, like, the fall of the Empire at a certain point. So, so like.
0: yeah, exactly. And and on that note, here's, here's Boisoy asking the questions historians won't. Uh, Burton's, Richard Burton's interest in... Buggery of little boys is so thorough that in the fourteen that in that fourteen thousand words pederasty essay he's, he wrote and as he he wrote a translation of the thousand one <laughs> Arabian Nights and then he wrote a fourteen thousand word essay to to preface it called pederasty um, to you know celebrate. the the activity. And he says, and remember, this is supposed to be a translated collection of Arabic tales, that he posts a place called the Sotadic Zone, where pederasty is prevalent and celebrated, and he basically centers it on the Mediterranean Zone, largely in North Africa and the Middle East, India, China and the Far East, and in the New World. Basically, everywhere that Anglos wanted to conquer. This creates a chicken egg question I wish I had never popped into my head. Did these Anglos conquer the world to get to what was already an abundance of catamites, or did the anglos invade the world in order to create the market of catamites by projecting their fantasies of endless pederasty onto everyone else i hesitate to answer this as do we all uh
1: yeah, yeah. Well, so <laughs> well, there's also like a lot of interesting notes like i didn't i i i have some i've read i guess what i now know as a sanitized version of arabian nights like a heavily sanitized version because it didn't have any of that stuff in it but this uh so this obviously was where kind of the original Arabian Nights in the Anglo sphere was uh, kind of you know put out there, and it is true that if you ever talk to people from that from Arabian Nights land, they have no idea what the fuck you're talking about when you mentioned the Arabian Arabian Nights. It's yeah. purely an Anglo sphere phenomenon. Yeah, he said he
0: he mentions that it's more popular yeah. among Westerners and speculates. And I I'm inclined, I mean not without knowing anything. Uh, it's what I will say is is uh, I have seen this phenomenon. In other contexts, I suspect Borzoi has as well, which is why he brings it up. That, that basically it, it's a it's a pastiche of to some extent pre existing stories, but the work itself, particularly as a like bound volume that you you know buy or sell at a bookstore, uh, is essentially a Western product, and it's not something that that is really known or exists outside yeah. of the. Uh, now I'm sure because we live in uh, I guess we should maybe you know it's a good point to transition to the um to the a little bit talk about the baudrillard stuff as as a as in a baudrillardian hyper real kind of way nowadays i'm sure in a in a you know airport bookstore in cairo that you can buy the thousand one arabian nights but that wasn't always the case and it shouldn't be but
1: else it's probably in english
0: yeah right exactly (laughs) yeah so Uh, oh i'm sure English. i don't even think that i mean do they even have arabic copies probably not I, i would imagine not of the unsanitized ones Oh, yeah, yeah. how sure. much well, of this was a product of of, of Burton's febrile imagination and, and degenerate yeah. imagination and how much of it was, you know, pre-existing yeah. is maybe a, a question we'll never like, really know. lot of it's, kind
1: of... It's also, like, kind of... I don't want to say taken from, but it's kind of ripping off Grimm's Fairy Tales in a lot of ways, like, in it's kind oh, of yeah. the whole... Yeah, so how much of that is just this Brit doing or Grimm's Fairy Tales for, you know, the, the for his buggery zone? Like, oh, this is... <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't want, I, uh, uh, yeah, it's. I gross. wanted to bring up how much how much of, I think Borzoi, uh, ha has the best also interpretation of Crowley. I think, it 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 kind of, it fits well. A lot of people like especially uh, the right, the nuttier right kind of view Crowley as this uh, kind of mystery figure of, great and ter- terrible evil. Uh, there's like a conversation with him and Cern all these things, which there's like some something to that though. But he bores always, uh, just the tone that he treats Crowley with basically just like utter contempt as this kind of like egomaniac that no one cares about, but is just somehow allowed in, into these places because because of like the degeneracy of the British aristocracy is probably just like the, I think the most true to life uh, interpretation of Crowley you're ever gonna get. This kinda just the vibe that you get reading this article. It gives you a really good taste of Crowley that I think is very believable uh it's kind of just this bottom feeder on uh British degeneracy that has no is, is a total fraud but is like egom- egomaniacal enough to kind of keep that guilt down and basically write uh like one that you know he, he uh talks about oh well you know uh these nazis they're they're in the like crazy magic but i don't know if they would talk to me i could show up in the right magic it's like oh god like you like you kind of like you kind of never kind of knows that guy like he's just uh he's like the kind of uh monday morning quarterback of history but it's just for like a cult weirdness i i
0: have this is a complete tangent but i i um and i need to do more research myself i i uh I'm in, you know. I guess I'm sort of in between, or I can see both sides of that discussion. And and I think Crowley is someone that, um. We could all stand to understand better. Not so much because he's particularly worthy of, of, uh, that, he's, that he that anything he said is super important or worthwhile reading, or that he himself has any particular importance per se. But, um, I I think we dismiss the spiritual aspects of the war that we're in at our own peril and to our own detriment and i think that uh i think that i mean cards on the table you know uh, you know what you could call magic or whatever you want to sorcery these kinds of things are are real and they exert real causal influence on the world um and you know we see you know boyzoi has a has a note that it was news to me that that actually crowley transited from Europe to America on the Lusitania just a few months before it sank as part of his like mission to, you know, influence the American thing in in terms of getting involved in in World War I. Um, You know, these are not coincident. There's no such thing as coincidences, really. And and, you know, I I so I. I, like, when, when you start talking about these figures, I think you have to understand our current nat- you know, the, the, the nastiness and the nastinesses, uh, <laughs> whatever. The, the, the complete perversion and disgusting, you know, thing that's going on. We, we you know, we, we have to pay attention to it in these terms. So yeah, Crowley was evil. He's also just a, like a little, you know, a little bitch. And, and it's not, it. it, it he doesn't complete, and I think, my understanding is, is um, I haven't really read too much of what he, I, I said but the i don't know the, the myth of the twentieth century has a great episode on him if you can check that out uh if you want and and Crowley in his personal diary was was quite um like he understood that he was in the grip of forces that he him like he he knew he was in their grip he didn't understand what they were or what they were using him for necessarily um and and yeah and one final note on this topic i mean i you know there's a um It's kind of popular among hippies and a certain crew and and i I wouldn't necessarily recommend reading the whole thing but when i was a teenager i read the uh, illuminatus trilogy which is um i understood almost immediately what i was reading and i think it's valuable resource in these terms is, is kind of it's a fictionalized secret history of the occult angle in the in the early 20th century um and, and, you know, Crowley is a figure in it. it. It's taking place, I guess, in, like, the 1960s or so, but in the present day for when it was written. But it, it, it is very obviously, like, what part of what he's doing is, like, you know, this is, these are the stories that I heard, because he, the author is, is hooked into that whole scene of, you know, H.G. Uh, Wells shows up, H.P. Lovecraft shows up, Crowley shows up. Um, and what's interesting, or one of the things that immediately stuck out to me about it was that the occult... Um, history, the secret history of these, of these things, sort of, there's a, there's a period between like roughly 1933 and 1945, where he doesn't describe it at all in any kind of detail. Um, I asked someone once who's sort of, you know, similarly interested in these kinds of things, like, you know, what, um, what's the deal with that? And they're like, you know, first of all, basically nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to touch it with a 10 foot pole. The, the assumption is, you know, whatever it was that the Hitler circle we're doing was just so powerful and so evil that you know nobody I, i'm no longer convinced of that version of events and i'd be really curious in you know um let's say the tule society or, or some successor organization were to write their own magical history of like you know what um what happened and what went what went right what went wrong whatever i, I would be i'd be very curious to see that uh we get to see the anglo side not in the second world i know Moonchild by um is is sort of a uh the Anglo version of events of this spiritual war that they're fighting, or this magical battle that they're fighting with the German magicians—I um, I would love to hear the other side. But anyway, that's all. That's all just the Yeah,
1: I—I I, I do want to, uh, the, reason, the reason I kind of wanted to bring up Crowley is also that I, well, it is—it gives that, I think a good vibe of cra- vibe for Crowley. I think that's also kind of what keeps it out of the uh, being super uh, like getting a lot of attention. This, there's not a lot of like Crowley is kind of one of those toxic things as a right winger you can't talk about or you kind of get in- MK Ultra programming hits, and you're just, a nut, you're just a nut job. So I think we kind of instinctively avoid talking about that guy. Yeah. Um, but this is great. It's very... Uh, it's both academically rigorous and defensible in... Well, it's you know, all just I mean,
0: documented facts. I mean, it's like these are things in, you know, newspapers and journals and academic histories. I mean, there's no question as to... I mean, I guess maybe you could go down the list as far as like individual items and find things to nitpick and maybe you'd pick, you know, maybe there would be something, but I doubt it. Like it's not, this yeah. isn't Borzoi speculating. This is like a fire hose of historical details that have never been put together in this way. And there's a lot more, you know, digging to be done in this particular mine for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it makes me wonder about like other, cause obviously like it makes me wonder about every single British conquest like like how much of the IRA were guys like trying to get these weirdo Brits just out of Dublin like please leave we're going to start blowing things up like you have to you have to like reexamine every single anti-colonial action by the Brits like again like okay how much of this is like actual just people being against like Sodomy more than like the British Empire
0: exactly and 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 that was the other I forgot to mention it earlier but this was like something that really needs to be said like the the Everybody at this time, we've all been so thoroughly propagandized, you know, we all are like, oh, in the ancient Greeks and the blah, 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 But the thing is, like, as, as Borzoi points out, it was it was pedof- pederast, whatever you want to, pedophile, pederast, I don't really care. I don't know if there's a difference worth, uh, you know, sussing out. Uh, it was Burton, the classic, because among other things, it was a classic scholar, Um who like took every opportunity to remind, you know, remind people about like oh see the Greeks did it too which like is that even do, like he had all his, he had all the reason in the world to play that up and 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 sort of make things of it that it weren't that weren't um weren't real so so that's the question here is is you know what did he let me find here's the quote from This is Borzoi now writing. Burton consistently t- couches his frank discussion and interest in, in pederasty under the veil that, quote, but the ancient Greeks did it too, and you read them. I would argue Burton's obsession with writing about pederasty, finding it in every culture, making sure the English elite are aware of it, intellectually defending the practice, starting secret societies to publish works about this that aren't <laughs> for the eyes of the general public, seems to be a bit of a vested interest. But what do i know this is only the guy who translated the perfumed garden an arabic language sexual manual whose final chapter is about pederasty burton never completed the final chapter in the first public publication and withheld it but was working on a re-release with the final chapter when he died his wife burned it go figure so yeah like how much of this is just pure projection about this gay literal gay jewish empire like trying to butt-slam all the boys everywhere across the world that they can find, projecting that onto the, you know, the one of the two, you know, with, with Rome, one of the two pillars of Western history and European civilization. Like, you tell me, you know?
1: Yeah, and... It, uh, and because it's, it's one of those uh, kind of roller coasters you, go, you kind of go on when you first get like, red pill, it's like, well, okay, actually the British Empire like, wasn't that bad. Like, right? It seemed to improved a lot for these historical peoples, but you're kind of left with like well if that was true why do they hate them so much? <laughs> because they it seems like they really like I, this, this whole thing leaves you with like a new set of very unsettling questions and uh, it begins to also come in like how much of history like or, or mainstream history is just fabrication or or obfuscation of you know certain things, uh, which I think we can get into later. I, th- I think one thing I, I, I there's a, uh, there's the excellent series on like did the, f- the first millennium really happen? Uh, oh I, yeah, I, I Phantom to... Time. I haven't. Uh... I there's a, there's some there's some really respected writing I want to get into. Maybe we can episode in future on that. Sure. Yeah, that but, sounds like a great thing to do. Yeah. But we you know, once you kind of get into these. It's it's one of those things that just like met, it messes with your head on that level, uh, especially someone who's I'm not like a you know a what you, a Tia or anything, but I have a you know a, a respect. I've you know read all the Lieutenant Sharp's Sharp's books. I read all the you know uh, a lot of the you know, about the British Empire, and I you know find a lot of there's definitely a, a admirable strain of like heroic figures in the Victorian era uh, and the Napoleonic Wars, but Late Victorian, things get things get real weird, and and that doesn't, and and the obvious you know, conclusion draws that that didn't come out of nowhere. I mean, argue. I mean,
0: this is maybe this is too esoteric, or maybe you just disagree, or maybe I'm just wrong. But like, one could certainly make the argument that like Napoleon was the good guy, and everything started going wrong, with at Waterloo or whatever before Waterloo. But you get what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, and there's there's a lot of you know. Yeah, you know, and the, there's something we said for that, that Napoleon just wanted to be left alone in Europe. You know, why the British have to ruin everything, and you know. And there's a lot of, you know, there's all, there's all kind of, obviously, infinite things you can do with, you know, on the board with Rothschilds and stuff. But yeah, the, the the British Empire, I think, needs to be reckoned with in a certain way that I think argue and this article is probably the, one of the first, I think, steps in that and that we uh, kind of like you're as like western civilization looks at its history there's like only two extremes of the empire there's like it was the worst thing that anyone ever did uh it was genocidal whatever all the bad isms but also there's the kind of the the, the kind of uh, i guess reactionary view where it was like the greatest civilization civilizing force for all mankind yeah clear, that's... <laughs> no, I, mean,
0: I never believed that and, but yeah oh, well, yeah you no know, it's not like, so much um, yeah, well, and think I think, of this, you know, form. I don't know, you know, maybe we have some some um, English listeners or whatever and, and or or, or do we have will at some point in the future. And, you know, I just want to say, I think pretty much in the exact same way, like structurally analogous. And in fact, for a lot of the same reasons, because a lot of the same people were involved. Like when we we're talking, like everything we said about the American people versus the American government applies, to, you know, if anything, only more so to the. To the English, because while American identity, you know, Americaners have had to had their ethnos forged in the fires of the American continent and and to some extent by cutting ties with their European past and, and coming together in this in this cauldron. You know, the English have inhabited Britannia for a very long time. Yeah. And would you also
1: the- argue that the, the English ruling class has kind of been like ever since, you know, 1066. 1066- been kind of permanently yeah. divorced. Yeah, oh no,
0: and, and in fact, I saw something, I don't know how true it is, but I believe it's bullshit. I don't think it's bullshit, I think it's true. But there was a study I saw where basically like the top percent, like the the most the wealthiest families in Britain to this day are descended from the Normans of 1066. So I mean, you know, yeah. it, it it just goes to show you like what, you know, so yeah, and and, and then you add on top of that, of course, all the, the Zionist elements and and stuff like that. You know, it 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 just like I think you know not just you know all of us together in in the dissident right, but but also English people in particular need to like. And I can understand that it would be painful in in certain ways, but but they we need to get over this hump of you know identifying the 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 English Empire, the British Empire, with the with the English people, or you know the people of Britain, Scotland, and of England, Scotland, and Wales. I think that is a hump that you know they and we also need to get over.
1: Yeah, which I think it's all. It's uh, like when when I see certain things in history, like to this day, like the Irish, like hating the British, like hating hating them. It it really is like there, and obviously it's it's not. I don't I don't blame them, but yeah. What I blame but them like, for it is being so. It, yeah, exactly. I but it just going seems to the same like place with this. yeah. But it seems like a like an artifact. Like something some somebody something nefarious happened to make make this happen. Like the these two islands are very similar. Uh, in some ways, and different in different other ways, but like the strain of hatred, it just—it seems like it really seems like a, like a like a plot, like a sinister plot to make this thing make this happen. It just seems so uh, kind of out of nowhere.
0: Well, I'm sure part of it is, you know, Ireland was was trying to maintain neutrality in the,
1: in the late unpleasantness. Wouldn't it? Yeah, but I, it's just, it 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 seems for like a lot of the. Uh, like more cartoonishly evil things the British empire did like there there had to be something more to it there like you know they, I was you talking about the the potato, the fifth famine and things like that like there's really no reason to behave that poorly you know what I'm saying like it just seemed yeah, like there had to be a, yeah. a more nefarious force at work to cause these things you know in an, in an I'm territorial, sure the, but, yeah well yeah. I
0: think also I'm sure the religious Angle was
1: an important part of that as well. Yes, but uh, I don't it know. Seems Who knows? I mean, it seems yeah. just profoundly out of character for the British, uh, you know. But you know, uh, moving, m- moving moving on, moving so forward. I think we, yeah, pres- we, that's the we, thing. We, is
0: like you know, English, Irish, all people. You know, and in, in, you know, Spanish. I know, I know a um, <laughs> an old Spanish lady who's still butthurt about the Armada. Um, you know, some things just don't don't die.
1: Yeah. Uh, So speaking of all this, do you want to go into the the Protestant way of QAnon? Sure. Uh, Yeah. So uh, the Protestant way of QAnon is kind of hamstrung by being in this book, in that uh, the QAnon as like a Protestant cult has kind of been uh, already kind of thoroughly explored by a lot of people. But um, I think it's I think it's obviously still very interesting and like I said. Uh, there were a lot of, like, really good tweets about how, you know, uh, QAnon is a Protestant sect or whatever, but no one wrote a book. No one actually put, put it to paper, like we're saying. And until you put it to paper for real, it's not really a serious thing. So I'm going to give, away the, the credit for doing QAnon as an evangelical cult, uh, even though this wasn't the first thing, the first thing to ever mention it. Um, and so one of the interesting things is that uh, cults don't, like, go away uh very easily uh and that no matter so when uh events when like dates and predictions come and they fail to come you uh the cults just get stronger right so i was in a scenario uh before i read this article before i i knew it was bullshit, but i believe it was before the biden inauguration i was talking with a very nice um like middle-aged white guy he was very friendly a uh, very kind of salt of the earth guy. Uh, made a bunch of you know had a bunch of money d- debt free lived you know kind of the ideal boomer. Uh, and I was talking about him about you know the election and you know the the the, cha- the Supreme Court challenges and it was all kind of happening and he was dead confident like 100 percent confident. Oh yeah no uh, before before the ele- inauguration I bet you I bet you all the money in the world that. Uh, Flynn and the president are going to be like, Flynn's going to swear in uh, Trump on like the, the 5th or whatever the inauguration was. And I knew he had a lot of money. I knew it wouldn't hurt him. But I liked the guy. And he was such a decent, earnest guy. I was I had $400 in my pocket. And he had the money to lose. I could have bet him $400 right there and, and made the easiest money in my life. But I couldn't bring myself to do it. And I was just like, it was just a, a pure uh, expression of like this, uh, the Q cult, and the funny thing is he never used the word like Q or anything, you know? It was all just like General, General Flynn, uh, the military's gonna step in, like these kind of, I don't know how, where he got it filtered from, or if he knew you can't use the word Q anymore, it's like the, it's like the MKL trigger where people freak out, they're trying to you know, program that as that, like that's the word you can't associate with, but like he was a pure kind of manifestation of this thing. And it, and I really hadn't seen it. I had seen it IRL, but not to you know, not no one, no one did I get like to dig down into it deep with. And you know what? It, it's it's kind of cowardly of me, but obviously Biden came and went and was sworn in. And I still haven't, and I talked to the guy a lot, but I kind of never like confronted about that. Like, Hey man, what happened to General Flynn? What's up with all that? Because it just it just feels kind of too rough to to do that to a person. And I can kind of see how cults propagate even when they have these predictions that fail. Yeah.
0: So this was something Boardsway and I talked about. I mean, like, you know, together even live on the third rail at, as it was sort of unfolding. And, um, I, uh, I definitely, I don't know. It, it, it this essay is great. Um, it would be nice to see these ideas more, more, I mean, we, I guess it's nice to have that. I guess as a critique is like, you should write more like on this and expand and make it better. Like, yeah. Okay. You know, well, obviously whatever, but the, um, I think one of the things that um and in Minesweeper was, was doing this, uh, a friend of ours as well in front of the show on um as well and, and you know, pointing this out on Twitter that the thing about these kind of apocalyptic millenarian cults is when the predicted apocalypse fails to materialize that that does not mean the end of the cult that if anything it's sort of yes, I mean you might shake off a few less firm believers but but that typically results in the dedic you know whatever it is gets pushed back and the dedication of the followers gets even more intense and you know we we um i guess we other things were happening and we haven't really been um been been following this thread particularly closely on on the third rail but um yeah like it 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 as you know it was uh they what it was. They had this thing about March nineteenth or, or whatever, or no, whatever. April. Yeah. I forget what it was. Or, or it was March fifteenth. March, March. It was the ads of. It was literally yeah, I'd right. March. There was March fifteenth. There was some meme. Day, there was a previous meme date. It was February something, and then March fifteenth. And now they're talking about I guess April something for
1: tax day. And April now tax day 1st, itself I has been or, d- yeah. delayed. So, oh, well, and oh, it's, like how well does that feed? Out? Well, well, it's it's for tax day. Well, tax day has been delayed to May 17th, <laughs> Right. So that's the new date. It's like. But one thing I do want to
0: say is is uh, so. I mean, okay, on the other hand, like, like. so then, you know, I don't know how true it is or, or isn't or it doesn't necessarily matter, but, like, there. have you seen this video? This was, like, a recent thing uh, of uh, the, the people talking about green screen. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Green I screen joke. So Twitter and their trending topics today had to have, like, a trending topic about, like, experts say the video is real. Uh it's like okay, thanks Twitter, thanks for
1: you know. That's the kind of thing. It's like I'm not a schizo, but you're making me a little bit think like you know. Well, No, you, that's <laughs> that's to make you insane, right? It's that's literally a psyop. Like that's pure psyop. And then of course you get and, and it's Finkel
0: thing too because then you get libtards who are like you know, oh you know, see the experts said
1: that the video is real. So, you know what's the matter with you? Don't you trust the experts? Um. Yeah. And, and also, it's just like a infinite. I, I do think also it, it's kind of evidence of a uh, to be the optimistic view of a like they're running out of like Finkel. People are kind of seeing through certain things. Uh, most of them like just giving up, giving them money is a big a big like theme. I just give me health care. People are kind of seeing through Finkel issues at a much faster rate than they used to. I think, and they're kind, but they need to kind of distract the radicals who kind of force these things like force their hand a little bit and when they're deploying things like this video to kind of because like the more both radical left and right Twitter are freaking freak out over this stuff and it kind of bleeds out from there but it's such like a hack sloppy thing and even if it like and and of course the response is intentionally sloppy but you don't do this kind of thing unless you're trying to prop something up right like unless you're trying to distract like literally this is a distraction from people like discussing things seriously that they're afraid of so that's a kind of a point to, you know in our favor is that they're 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 forced they're ever they're backed into kind of ever more ridiculous moonshots uh to just get people's attention and at a certain point i think i think kind of the biggest fear is that they'll deploy a psyop and enough people will just say i i don't care and they'll either turn up they'll tune out or just well, we're turn already into seeing more, that, you know. I mean,
0: yeah. I uh, again, I'm sort of, you know, we aim for somewhat timeless content, but it, you know, whatever. As we write this, I think it'll be interesting because it'll be timeless.
1: Here's and no one, like, also, like in a week, I won't get, No one's going to give a fuck about Button's hand. Well, through a,
0: right. Yeah. But I was going to say there, there was this shooting in Atlanta. There was some, you know, sex addicted guy. I mean, mentally tormented. I feel you know, obviously, he's, uh, he's a sad, you know, case. What's but he. The,
1: I, What's the opposite of incel?
0: Volcel, but he's not a celibate. No, he's no, like... no. He's like
1: he's like, I know, he's like an out, like, uncell. I guess you call it. Like, right? <laughs> like, he, he's, he's like, addicted to sex, but he hates women. Like, this uncell shooter.
0: I'm sure we could. Yeah, uncell. I like that. We'll have to. We'll figure something out. Yeah, I like that, though. Um, in any case, uh, so he, he went around these massage parlors where he was getting some kind of sexual gratification from... The the, the, m- m- uh, the masseuses there, and shot a bunch of them up oh,
1: from from the sex slaves that
0: they were. Sex slaves. Thank you. Yeah, sex slaves yes. who were probably human trafficked in the United States by by uh, the policies of the, the deliberate policy decisions of the pig American Empire. Um, in any case, so so he shoots he kills these these poor women and I don't know who else and and because they're all Asians because they're all been sex trafficked out of Asia you know and, and they've been having this this uh, anti Asian um, sex trafficking thing you know or sorry anti-asian violence basically it's a bunch of you know it's blacks beating up asians and and then now we're trying to make this about white supremacy because of course we are um the thing is like okay it's not every day in america you get one of these made for tv mass shootings especially not with a a white perpetrator but like honestly the 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 story is kind of already petering out and you know nobody really seems to care very much it's not you know the front page of the new york times today is about the astrazeneca covid vaccine like it, i don't even see i mean i guess okay, they have a blurb three lo- three lines below the the fold about uh why are hate crime charges rare in attacks against asian americans which because i'm an internet i can tell person, you why <laughs> i don't know right like you know and i know the answer to that question but i just I, you know what? I'm gonna no. I'll do that another time. Maybe we're not we're not clicking on New York Times links now. I just want to get back to, to Borzoi. I mean the the point here is, of course, that like yes, thank you, yeah, no- you Asian Americans. <laughs> our friend Ed Chang, Yes. Um, yeah. You know, nope. Nobody cares. Like the, everybody's kind of tuned out of this uh, situation. You know, no, like even that level of a mass shooting basically is is just a ripple at the you know l- you know 24 hours later. And that's going to continue to be the case. So and one of the and, and, and the under, one of the you know, interesting things about QAnon is, OK, the prophecy has failed and all these people, you know, to whatever extent, like to whatever extent they had any intention or ability to, 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 to change the result or do whatever. They just didn't. Um, yet, nevertheless, one of the most vibrant forces in American politics. Certainly in the imaginations of the left, but also in, in, you know, boomer kind of wing of the thing is this uh, whatever post QAnon movement or, or I don't even know what to call it now that, you know, Q is not saying anything. But this kind of like insane schizophrenic take on on um, the American governance apparatus uh, is is still a powerful force and will continue to
1: be. And so, yeah. Also, I mean, uh, it, well, if you this is kind of a separate thing. If you follow uh, like Q forums or go on, don't just go on them briefly to kind of stare at the sun and look away quickly. They have, they are slowly, not slowly. It actually because it Q was like born out of the chans, um, but so are we, obviously, at a certain point. And uh, Fish, it, it started as a very boomery thing, but even though they're like, on a separate wavelength, it's forcing boomers to speak like our language like, they use the phrase cope with a C or with a Q, talking about I'm not quoping or I'm coping or, like, the, the, there's, there are, like, there have been more adherents falling away, and they will talk about the the the, uh, the cope, and they're really, like, and that's the same point, but, we have, we'll, you know, cope is our word, at a certain point, you know, and uh, it, it is kind of, anon is, like, a dumb thing, but it does force them, if not into our orbit, into, like, understanding our stuff when they come across it well like, i've said this before and, you know these I, are I, I, stuff they're yeah they're gonna i, I hesitate
0: to like dunk on QAnon too hard i mean i think obviously there's things about their worldview that need that are just stupid and or insane and need to be excised however identifying a powerful cabal of pederasts as like the true power that are making everybody's lives miserable like you know, as as Borzoi extensively documents in his pieces on the British Empire, like there's a lot of truth to that, you know? And and these people, for whatever reason, I mean I, I am at a certain level sympathetic. I do think they derive like occult ritual power, which is then political and economic power, or, or that these two things go in hand hand in hand through the sexual abuse of children. I think it's a you know it's a, it's a it can be a source of a certain kind of temporal power. Um, look at Jeffrey Epstein, right? So, like you know, again, it's a question of separating the truth from from. The, the, there's good things yeah. about Q, and there's these people are are so. I think that's what really terrifies the um, our hostile you know alien overlords is is just how close the Q people are on so many yeah. things. Like they're they're just half a tick off, like here and there, yeah. you know.
1: And also, it is uh, like there is. It is very true, and i said a million places. But so like American Protestantism, like part of argue, it's part of argue. It's part of like the American mythos that's kind of already kind of fallen apart before we got here. But like America as a Protestant country, uh, the kind of like normy. I always say like like the normy Protestant America like doesn't exist anymore. You're either very very hardcore, or like a very hardcore fundamentalist. You know, Protestant or a super. Hilarious having other religions do church in your church Unitarian uh, which I still can't get over um, not even other
0: do church I mean like weird
1: uh, pagan shit or God even yeah. knows yeah it's, but the kind of just like the mainline like American religion mm-hmm. that you like all these flavors of Protestant that were essentially American uh, are kind of gone now so there really is there there really isn't an American religion. And Q definitely stepped into that void. Um, it's obviously like a messianic cult at a certain a certain point. Um,
0: it's like Alex it's, Jones Christian-ish. It's like they have this weird Protestant. They they they're definitely use a lot of Christian language, and 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 they tend to not be super specifically Christian, but they're clearly like kind of like a product of. This drinking drinking water American Protestant evangelical Protestantism uh, that's just sort of baseline for a lot of the rural types of people and and yeah. day class A types who who make up the, like the backbone of the or have up to this point made up the backbone of the Republican Party. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on there.
1: Yeah, and there's like an argument like that uh, it's like kind of a revival almost like we're due for a revival in a lot of ways like. This is the Protestant revival you get in the in the gay empire. It's it's like believe in the gay empire again is your new like revival because that's that's kind of what it is. It's basically it takes people who kind of tuned out or black pilled on like politics and it gives them a second like a chance, a chance. It's almost like a revi- revivalist faith, but instead of like sinners in the hands of the angry God, it's patriots in control, bro. Like
0: sinners in the hands of an angry broad yeah no i mean that was a play on that of of course another one of his essays but but yeah um yeah exactly but rather than god in control it's it's uh you know these kind of patrons. it's joe
1: flynn yeah (laughs) yeah which which is kind of i i wish i had more knowledge of like the pre-revolutionary france because i always it kind of reminds me of like a peasant thinking oh well the king is defined by God. He'll he'll come and sort this out. Like, you know you know what I'm saying. Like, it's the same vibe. Oh well, the Sun King is gonna save us from these evil evil nobles who are exploiting us. That's what his job is. Don't you go to church. But obviously, that's not what's happening. It, it, I wonder if there was a similar like vein of uh, like messianic monarch in in kind of like a rural Fran- like French beliefs in the pre-revolutionary period when things were so bad. Um, because that's like, kind of like the, that's the feeling I get. It's like someone's someone who's like really thinks the king's gonna bail him out. Because um, because it's weird. Because Trump is not a messianic figure he's alive, right? Like you can't you can't like pray for his return or something like that. He's he's here. That's the like, two stuff. It's it's I it's hard to think of an equivalent kind of I guess you call it an equivalent religion where the Messiah is on Earth and ignoring the religion, like actively actively distancing himself from it. Unless he needs, like money, It which is kind of grift on it, it it's.
0: Uh, but you know what I'm saying, like
1: yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's truly a, a bizarre phenomenon. I I really can't think of any historical uh, antecedent for it, like at all.
0: No, it's um well, and you know, much and, and much like the. Uh, you know, we, talk, we started really by talking about American futurism. I, th- I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, I. Because I, I could sort of see two, you know, I could, I could sort of see it going either way. you could see, um, we could see the, uh, Q movement, for lack of a better term, you know, shedding the things that make it impossible to identify the real culprits and becoming, you know, if not, you know, wholly integrated into our thing, then a kind of, um, Powerful allied wing, um, or you just devolving further and further into schizophrenic insanity, and and really just leading people down this uh, horrible rabbit hole. And you know, I think the future very much remains to be written as far as that's concerned.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you want to change gears one more time? Sure. Do you do you want to have another? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you? What do well, you? Well, uh, I think we're kind of. I kinda, before we wrap up wrap up. I think we're kind of yeah. getting there. That's I want to talk thinking. about uh I want to talk about uh Hitler and Lewis parallel lives.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, great great note to end
1: on for sure. Yeah. Uh there's obviously it's, it's full of excellent quotes. Uh If Hitler didn't exist, they would have to invent him. Um Hitler is not the man of the year, but the man of the 20th century. Uh all kinds of great you know, individual lines. It's, it's it's really written with a uh Kind of a, a Wyndham Lewis-esque humor to it. It's, it's, there's a lot of dry humor throughout the for, throughout this forward. Uh, I, I think it's Borges' most talented piece of writing. Uh, obviously, there's not there's not like a, a, a there's not like that sort of research. But Borges' stuff is usually like full of you know research and uh, drawing connections. Whereas uh, this our, this is this uh, forward is pure like writing. I guess you'd call it. It's really excellent. Um, it's it's, uh, it's just, it's, it's kind of, I, I think it's it's kind of bourgeois tour de force. Um, it talks about how uh, just damaged that uh, Lewis was by this work. Uh, even though, uh, kind of guiltily, uh, Lewis kind of did, did the, kind, I don't want to say like, oh, damn that thing. But he was, he like obviously admired uh, the Germans. And when he was, he kind of renounced the book almost immediately after the the outcry came, but he still, like, went to go visit Oswald Mosley, like, in disguise, (laughs) you know, very shamefacedly, because, because he's, because Winnemois is kind of a a pathetic figure in a lot of ways, but he is also, uh, I think, just kind of unique in that he's an Anglo that's, was honest once.
0: About uh, the Germans, an Anglo who was honest once. About the Germans, didn't know what
1: but <laughs> rarely do they give you know the Germans credit, you know. And uh, also, there's just some some really amazing uh, things that the like how like just with a weird amount of, amount of controversy of the era, because we remember it's written right so before. Uh, 1936, the kind of uh, feeling in Europe was that the Italians were the next great nation of Europe, right? They, they were on the rise. They were industrializing uh, for basically nothing. They had all the Roman history. And there's a note in uh, Bourgeois' Forward that the secretary of the Kensington Fascist Group took issue with Lewis's assertion that Germany was a greater nation than Italy, which shows you what 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 a... What a work of a time and a place that this that uh lewis's uh book was it's it's such a unique like ev- basically everyone was wrong about it no one knew what would, what the future years would come um but everyone had very strong opinions uh I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, it's it's full of excellent uh, stuff. I don't, do you do you have you read the for, uh Read the foreword for... Yeah,
0: I read the foreword. Um, I haven't read the book yet. It's sitting on my shelf with with several other Antelope Hill products that I haven't yet had the time to to uh, go through. Um, I, I think this. Yeah, I mean, again, I fully endorse your your um, effusive praise. For for Bozo's writing, there I, I will, and I, and I think it is you know one of the one of the um, charming things about this this volume um, is is you know the the style ranges from, um, the, you know this polemic and uplifting you know uh, uh, call to arms to uh, serious academic research to basically <laughs> compiled Twitter shit posts from from the internet you know spelling mistakes and all. Um, which, which uh, I think is, is a very nice kind of snapshot. Uh, I will say, I yes, as a preface, it would do well, you know, as a, as a preface to a serious, you know, academic republication or whatever, you know, uh, Penguin Classics re- republication of this same work, um, in, by, you know, by a noted, whatever, scholar of, of whatever, um. I think, I, but to the kind of maybe broader point, and I, and I think, you know, this is, uh, you know, Borzoi leaves these questions lingering, I guess we, we won't hear, uh, or maybe to leave it lingering, but to make it more explicit. Um, like we were saying before, I, I, don't think, I don't think it's a question of severing ourselves from the tradition of 20th century nationalist movements. Uh, I, I think it's very clear, you know, that, that one of the things we need to do is, is make a forceful case for, you know, the 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 First and Second World War was a war of the Anglo Zionist money power um, imposing its slave cartel on all of humanity <laughs> that that doesn't necessarily make in and of themselves the Germans, the good guys in this particular drama. I, I think that's not a very helpful frame in um, any more than it, it is to identify the English people with the Anglo Zionist empire, as we were talking about before um you know people just want to love Hitler and people just want to love the 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 symbols and the you know pomp and and, and circumstance and 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 art of the of the of the uh, you know mid-20th century if they're just fans of the era that's totally great I get it I'm I I too am a fan of the era um but I think it's a sort of it's a challenge that we face and and one that I I certainly don't have all the answers to as far as you know what is our relationship with these things going to be moving forward? And it's not even said, it's, it's not so much a question of like, you know, red pilling big normie or something, or, or trying to reach people or, you know, with th- because people can be, people have a, maybe a visceral disgust reaction to, to certain things, but but one of the lessons, we didn't really get, we got into a little bit with the pederasty stuff, but, but you know, um, one of the points Borset makes, and I think it's a good one, is, you know, you can sort of acculturate people to getting over their disgust reactions. And that's, what that's what they're trying to do with things like like Drag Queen Story Hour and the like. So, it, you know, it's not so much that I think that, that you know, happy windmills of friendship are are, are forever going to be, you know, visceral. People are going to have a visceral reaction to that and, and a negative one, and, and that that's something we need to, like, deal with in, in a terms of, like, an optics way. That, I don't, eh, whatever, I don't really care so much. My thing is... Like, do we want to be bound by the symbology, the totems, the flags of 20th century movements and ideologies? And I would argue, no, you know, that's not to say these things can't be powerful. That's not to say we shouldn't use them as touchstones or that we don't understand ourselves. I certainly understand myself to be in 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 a kind of intellectual historical continuity with with 20th century nationalist, fascist, national socialist, whatever movements um, for sure that I think that's un- unavoidable. And I think that I would say that's a good thing. But, you know, um, I, the, one of the big picture points Borzoi makes and, and, and it's sort of hanging in the background of this Hitler essay is, you know, uh, if, if it's if it's to be in, you know, if it's for us, as white people to move forward to have a, a futurism in the sense we discussed earlier, we cannot be beholden to, to, to the past. Um, you know, if nothing, else, like maybe this is too Spurgy, but, but just one last note on this, on this topic. Um, the, the problem with reactionary politics, to put it in those terms, or you know, traditionalism, you know, people, people like to rag on those people. And I have a lot of sympathies for that. Really, ultimately, my, my priors are, are reactionary or are neo-reactionary priors. It's just sort of how I'm wired. But I, I think that like the, the big failure, and I wrote a Twitter thread about this a while back. I think it was on a now suspended account. The, the problem with that framework is you're failing to take into account that, that under conditions of industrial modernity, um, and we, we didn't even touch the Lincola and, and eco-fascist stuff. That's fine. That's, you know, whatever. Um, but under conditions of industrial modernity, there is, no, you, there is no recovery of pre-modern forms of life. It's just not physically possible. It's not, it's not something that is in the cards. And so like whether you like it or not, the 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 break with the past has been imposed upon us it has been imposed upon us in some ways more than any political process or or the results of any war or anything like that it has been imposed upon us by the triumph of, of technological capitalism and as long as as industrial society and and technological capitalism exists then the, the anything that we do has to be done within a modernist framework. There is no question of returning to pre-modern forms of life. It is a question of carving out a space for ourselves and our children within modernity. And so that is where, like to me, it's like I, I'm not a let's say a futurist by temperament. I'm much more kind of reactionary in character. But as you know, as a as a as a reactionary who's in you know cold-eyed, uh, clear-eyed contact with reality. Like the reality is we have to move forward. There is no recovery of the past. And yeah, that's an end spiel, I
1: guess. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point to end. Did you, did you have anything else you wanted to add or? Uh, there's a, no, actually, I, think, I think that's a good place to add it. I, I had a little more notes on, uh, William Lewis and Franco cause it, cause, uh, Borja goes into Lewis Delta franco in the foreword, but I'll make you buy the book for that.
0: <laughs> Sounds good. Yes, that's what I wanted to say in conclusion is, is, um, you haven't bought this book, uh, do that. And, um, you know, I, I, on I Antelope think, Hill. yes. And all, all Antelope Hill products are, are great. They do a very good job with curation and, and selection. Um, yeah. And, and just, you know, his final kind of testimony to, to, um, I mean, just you know, we have to think seriously about um ourselves as a movement, you know, people talk about oh there is no movement and that's true to I mean whatever. Like the, the point is now, you know, the, the kind of initial rush is over, or, you know, the initial the wave of defeats has been suffered, and now it's a time for us to regroup, retrench and, and and really put our best foot forward. This is one of our best foots that we've put forward yet. Uh and and as I think, you know, these these nearly now two hours of discussion that could have been four or, or 10 um, have illustrated, you know, <laughs> like there's very high quality stuff that we're doing. And, and so I, I think now it's a time to focus on quality more than quantity to you know, it doesn't matter how many we are, our, our ancestors did much more with much less, you know, it's not a question of like absolute numbers. It's a question of what each of us is is able and willing and look not all of us are going to be authors or, or musicians or podcasters i mean i you know it doesn't it doesn't matter it doesn't matter the, the the point is to be engaged the point is to be smart and um and support however you can you know when 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 people do good work like like Boer's always done here um you know support that it's really important that's all yep. i have to say
1: yeah uh that's all i have There are ways to find people like you in your area. If you are willing to try that, uh, that's all I'll say. Have have a little agency. (laughs) You are white. Act like it.
0: Um, All right. right. And with that, uh, thank you for listening to our first episode of Culture Terror. We will uh, be continuing to read books and discuss various media. Um, you would mentioned Louis, the possibility of doing some uh, architecture and stuff i mentioned albert Spear earlier i think it'd be cool to to discuss um i don't know i'm not an architect but uh whatever we'll figure it out but yeah all kinds of all kinds of media um on this show so uh hope you enjoy and take care everyone